Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Out of the Day with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning, and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you, present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are here to promote a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and to empower you, our listeners, all the time, every time, every time we get on this radio show. We are here to empower you, our listeners, to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And there are several ways you can join us on this illuminating journey. primary way is by calling in 347-75230. That's the number to call if you want to get your thoughts, uh, insights, commentary, dialogue, whatever it is, on the air. And the second way is through the chat room. Uh, you go to, there's a link on uh, the Zero Network uh Block Talk Radio page, and you can go there and click the link and join the the chat room. You can also share your thoughts there. And you hear my special guest, Lil Jackson's in. He's in the office with me, <laughs> and so he'll be making noise, and I'll just be ignoring him. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Prophesy the Show at Zero Radio. Also follow me on our Facebook page, uh, Zero Network. Go there, like the page. We appreciate you liking the page, but also following us on all our social media that we do. Um, you can go to my website, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at, uh, oh, that's my, <laughs> Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail.com. That's my email address if you want to communicate with me there. And also um, go visit LorenzoTNeal.com. That is uh, my website. And you can uh, check out articles there, you know, things of that nature, whatever you can. Follow me on all the social media networks. We're also now on Periscope at um at Prophesy Four on Periscope. So we've been trying to trying to get it up. It's been acting up. But uh we have the opportunity now to broadcast the sh- you know, see us while we broadcast the show. We're trying to get it up now. But uh so we're trying to do all we can 
as much as we can while we can. So happy first day of fall to everybody. It's Wednesday. Happy first day of fall. And uh, to those who are observing, happy uh, Yom Kippur. Those who may be observing that, that holiday. Um, what else I missed? Um, whatever whatever else it is that you may be celebrating today, happy day, happy day to you. Uh, so we're, we're, we're trying to, we got a lot that I want to talk about, so I added some extra time to make sure that I can get in all that I want to get in if I can. So you just bear with us. We're not going to be rambling too much, but, you know, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the Pope's visit, first visit to the states, and the impact of that visit, both for Catholic and Roman Catholics and the Protestants in this in this great country. Also, talking about the second thing we're going to be talking about is the uh, recent premiere season premiere of Ayana Van Zandt's Fix My Life show that talks about that's featuring two um, male pastors who are coming out as uh, homosexual men. Uh, so we're going to talk about so much more that uh, we'll get into as the Lord will. Let's first go to the Lord in prayer. All right, we got our connection back. We got our connection back. That's that's the thing about doing a live radio show, uh, especially when you're doing it by way of Skype. As you can hear, my little buddy is trying to chime in. I don't know what's going on in his head. Anyway, um, so we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about – well, let's get to the headlines. I said we're going to talk about the Pope and his visit, and we're going to talk about um, the Yana Van Zant show. But let's get some some headlines uh, uh, real quick here. Um, today, as I said earlier, today is um, Yom Kippur. It is the Day of Atonement for those observing Jews. And uh, 10 days prior, if you're not familiar with uh, Yom Kippur, today is the Day of Purification, Repentance, and Atonement. So uh, it started at uh, sunset yesterday, and it would end at sunset today for those observing Jews. But there are a lot of Christians who observe it also. There are a lot of Christians who uh, observe a lot of the feasts. Next week will be the Feast of Tabernacles, the Sukkot, as it's called, and some are predicting some crazy stuff to happen. John Hagee is saying uh, the fourth blood moon, uh, the Tetrad, is going to be the culminating event of some supernatural things. Some are predicting the rapture. Some are predicting the coming of Christ. It's a lot. Uh, and correlating with the Paco visit, they're saying that this is a sign, a supernatural sign from God that, uh, uh, you know, this is the opportunity to repent today. And then next week will be the opportunity to experience God's wrath if we don't repent. I don't know. Um, I, I I don't know. John Hagee has become somewhat of an authority on this. He's written several books regarding the blood moon, and a lot of people draw from him as a primary source. And you can go on YouTube, and you'll find so many videos and things about uh, 
supposedly happening this week and uh, you know started last week and supposed to happen you know last week was the beginning of Rosh Hashanah for that's the Jewish New Year so beginning with the Rosh Hashanah and with Yom Kippur today and then the Feast of Tabernacles next week they're saying that this is a great sign from God in addition to the blood moon the fourth blood moon that this is a great sign of God from God that something magnificent is about to happen. Um, whether that does happen or not has yet to be seen. You know, we go by some of these, um, it, you know, predictions like the Maya calendar that said 2012, and then this other dude, uh, what was it, May 11, 2011, May 21st, 11, 2011, and then December 2011 was supposed to be the rapture, you know, stuff like that. Uh, for centuries, people have been doing this. And for centuries, we've been hearing, even in the first century, when at the time of the writings of the New Testament, you know, there were the voices of uh, end times, and most most poignantly pointed out by um, the writings of John the Revelator, in his uh, apocrypha, the Revelation, and not his apocalyptic text, the Revelation, um, uh, not Revelations, Revelation, and so. You know, and then they draw from sources like Daniel and Zechariah and mush and some of the some of the um, end time sayings of Jesus of Nazareth, and they mesh all this stuff together, and the meshing together has come up with you know end time prophecy, and nine times out of ten has been inaccurate, and so we we can't we can't fully rely. It's good to be aware of that stuff. But we can't fully rely on it as far as credibility because, you know, historically, most, if not all, who have who have made predictions regarding the end of the world or the rapture or anything like that have done so at their own expense. And it's largely been incorrect. And there's been a whole lot of denominations and faith movements built around end-time prophecy. But there's neither here nor there. If it happens, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> If it happens, if anything happens this week or next week, I am ready. I am ready, you know. And if it doesn't happen, I'm still going to be ready. And I hope you are, if you believe such. If you ascribe to that, the idea of the rapture, or you ascribe to anything end times, and then that's good. If not, then that's good. Live your life. <laughs> Live your life. Anyway. Anyway, so... um. That's that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, well, that's what's going on. So you can look for it, look the signs, and you know, even though Christ admonished us, you know, there will be people saying that he, you know, saying different things, but don't follow them because even he, no man knows the day or the hour. So so it holds. But in other news, there's there's some interesting things that's been happening in this news on uh, this uh, this week. Uh, if many of you recall, uh, a couple of weeks ago. A uh, Baltimore pastor friend of mine, Jamal Bryant, who has become known as a wonderful dignitary of social justice in light of actions like Ferguson, Mike Brown, and all that stuff in Baltimore. Well, uh, just maybe about two weeks ago, he announced that he would be running for Congress in, um, in uh, the congressional seat that's currently held by uh, Representative Elijah Cummings. Well, just uh, yesterday, I believe, um, 
yesterday he made the announcement that he is withdrawing from said race. Now, there's a lot that could be implied in this. Um, those of you who are familiar with uh, Jamal, you know his history. Um, he doesn't have a clean cut history as far as you know uh, reputation. He has he's had uh, bad reputation from his divorce uh regarding his divorce from his wife that put a bad taste in a lot of uh those who followed him of course there's there's a lot of other scandals that uh has been tagged to him uh but as of late he has become an advocate for social justice and kind of reinvented himself as this uh contemporary Martin Luther King Jr. you know as you know income something like that um, and he has really rehabilitated himself to be an agent of change. And uh, I thought, I guess he thought that that rehabilitation could um, segue him into a political career. Now, he, he majored in political science, you know, when he was in college. And um, most of his work as a minister, even when he was serving at Bethel, Baltimore under a um, Pastor Frank Reed, before he planted, before he planted um, Environment Temple, he was he was the um, uh, youth over youth and, and youth work for the NAACP. So it, he's not a stranger to the political system. Uh, I think he was probably dissuaded because of his history and still kind of fresh. And you know, while we black folk are plenty forgiven, we we'll overlook everything just about. Um, the older crowd still frowns down upon what he did, you know, because of the uh, attention that it garnered, especially for uh, the African Methodist Episcopal Church. You know, his father is our senior bishop. And so it, it, it put a large, large frown upon our, you know, our young clergy. Um, but, you know, he's worked hard to revamp his ministry. And, you know, I, I do hope that some opportunities, I'm sure, a lot of opportunities are going to open up for him in the future. And I pray that he walks with the integrity and ability to be able to serve present age, however God allows him to do so. And I'm adjusting this camera here. There we go. However God allows him to do so, so that he could um, he can be able to uh, serve the community. But it is what it is, you know. We, we'll see as time progresses. And the old hymn says, time is filled with swift transition. Uh, we don't know about tomorrow, but we should know who holds tomorrow. <laughs> and if the one who holds his tomorrow, well, the one who holds his tomorrow might be the one who engages him for further political involvement. All right. There's other news. Um, I did a periscope. I didn't do broadcast about this, but I did a periscope a couple of weeks ago about um, this church, Union Grove Baptist Church. In Georgia, if you're not familiar with the story, uh, Pastor Tim Maddox and members and uh, some of the leadership of the Union Grove Baptist Church uh, voted to to expel a member, which you know wouldn't have been a big deal, wouldn't have made a lot of news if the member wasn't 103 years old and it's been. Uh, a vast majority of her life in that church, serving that church, you know, built that church, helped build that church. And 
because she spoke out against the pastor. The pastor rallied to have her expelled from the church, and it made national news because they drafted a letter, a bad one by that by this, you know, a bad one altogether. But they drafted a letter saying that she was no longer welcome even on the, of the church, and you know, a lot of people spoke out against that because how in the world? Do you put out a 103-year-old woman? And she was going to church. She wasn't sick and shut in. She was still making her way to church every Sunday, but because she disagreed with the pastor. And I could tell you from experience, you know, uh, I've always learned, I've learned this over the years since I've been in pastoral ministry, that there will be people there when I come, and there will be people there when I leave. And the church is not mine. It does not belong to me. But somehow he had convinced his members that the church was his. He got new board members in. He got deacons in, most of the relatives of his, and even fired the, the secretary who had been there before him and somehow managed to rally them against her. This old woman, Sister Janore Biggs, I believe that's her name, 103 years old, faithful member of the church. And because she had the the courage to say, uh, you know, to speak out against what he was preaching and teaching, and and she should know she's been around longer than he's been alive. <laughs> she should know she knows what good preaching and sound preaching should be like. And he got them to rally against her. Anyway, there was an outcry against him and his actions. And long story short, what happened was. Um, they ended up calling a meeting and voting him out. So he gets removed, um, officially terminated as the pastor of the Union Road Baptist Church. But he now makes headlines because he's been on, on the attack again. He's been on the attack against every member who voted against him, on the attack against every member who's voted against him, and uh, the still uh, the, the uh, Mother Biggs trying to get a restraining order against them. I mean, he had a line of restraining orders against members and Mother Biggs and a 69-year-old grandmother who was the former secretary. I think her name is Robinson. I can't remember. But you can go to uh, Church Folk Revolution, and you can see the video, and you can follow the story because it's been uh, uh, the the people at Pimp Preacher, uh, Church Folk Revolution, have been following this story and uh, – They've done a TJ and his staff have done a, a wonderful job uncovering the dynamics of this of this thing, and I gotta commend them. Uh, they have they have really gone to the aid of churches where pastors have really overstepped their boundaries, you know, their authority as pastor. And um, so commend uh, TJ and the folks over there at Church Folk Revolution, and you can go there and see the video and all that stuff. But anyway. So it's just crazy how stuff like that happens, and I can't fathom doing that. But again, again, you know, and, and I said this before, being AME, I'm governed by our book of dis, uh, uh, doctrine and discipline, and it gives us as pastors a lot of authority, a lot of authority. We over everything in the church, literally. But it's 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 not. It's easy to abuse that authority, but it's also easy. And I thank God for the system of checks and balances that we have in the church, where the members, the lay, can address their grievances 
not only to the pastor, but to our leadership uh, through our quarter system. They can address it to presiding elder, and then through the conference system, they can address it to the bishop, and it gets addressed. And, you know, it doesn't always get addressed the way some people would like, resolved the way some people would like, but at least it's addressed. And more churches need to hold leadership and accountable and accountability, and I'm I'm for that. I know it hurts some preachers, but it, it helps the membership, and that's what we should be concerned about. We're there to serve and not to be served. Uh, yeah, so I'm trying to keep moving this thing to get it right. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, yeah, that um, – what's her name? Davis is back in the news. She is still refusing uh, to sign game, you know, licenses to uh, same-sex couples. She has – According to reports, she has removed her signature from those that were signed by her clerks. And I'm I'm just I'm just gonna say this, you know, you've made your point. You're still a public servant, and right now you're just becoming a circus act. And you know, you've outlived the little the little uh, 15 minutes of fame that you've gotten. You need to do your job if you're going to be if you want to continue in that public service office. You need to do your job. Not, you know, resign. Plain and simple. Let somebody else do it. But um, you don't hold up a system for that. I, I Whether I agree with same-sex marriage or not is not the issue. Uh, I know some people, there are some Christians who are saying that stances like mine are, you know, are, are wimpish, but it's the law. And uh, there's the argument Mike Huckabee tried to make against it. Regarding the constitutionality, you know, and uh, the the um, balance of party, you know, check, system of checks and balances that now seems to be overruled by the executive and judiciary branches seeming to carry a lot more power than the legislature. But, you know, reality is the legislative branch on the, on the federal level is pretty much stagnant. They're, they're not acting. And, um, you know. It is what it is. Well, we will see how that rolls. We'll see how that how that pans out. I believe more and more people are growing uh, dismayed in their decision. Uh, I'm mean, in her decision, and they're falling away. And you know, it's a lot. And when you think about when I think about like the way our population is changing reflects. Uh, should not really reflect how religion ch- changes. You know, we shouldn't change to adapt to the population. I- I've just said that. I know this. I know that some people don't agree with that, but that's the way. You know, neither should we force um, others to conform. The Bible says that we are not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing our minds. Now, here's the thing: it doesn't say how our minds to be uh, transformed or renewed. You know. There, for some people, renewing their minds means they become more progressive and more liberal on um, social issues. And some, they become the opposite. They become more uh, conservative on social issues. <laughs> That's renewing their mind, you know. But the gift of grace affords us the means to be able to still love and still serve. That's that's how I am. Um, we still need to be able to love and to serve. So. How we choose to do that, only God can can um, uh, to tell us whether we're right or wrong. And 
you know, that's subjective. Anyway, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to get into our first segment. We're going to talk about the Pope and his visit and the significance of that visit. What does that mean for for the country, you know? And we'll talk about some of the things that he, he's he been addressing and uh, all of that. And uh, I, 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 I don't know what time he'll be addressing uh, joint Congress. I, I don't know, but uh, we'll, we'll try to see and find that out and get that to you. But we're going to take a real... Uh, quick break so I could handle the little dude who is getting restless <laughs> and making all this noise. So we'll be back right after this. insurance because what you don't know can hurt you what if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars Off to Hawaii. what if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises so should the coverage on your jewelry ah. what if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation the more you know the better you can plan for what's ahead talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance we are farmers bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum. You know, I love eating sweet stuff. I just can't eat it because I got the sugars. <laughs> I got diabetes. But every now and then, I do get a chance to get a nice sweet treat. And one place I love to get some sweet treats from is Shima's Gourmet Sweets. Uh, now, Shima, owner Tracy, uh, Tracy and uh, Earl and her staff, they, they do some of the best sweets you can think of. They make some amazing cakes. They do candy apples and you know it's fall season so it's getting time for that that good stuff. The cam candied apple, the the caramel popcorn, the gourmet popcorn, all of that stuff. You you think about all of that stuff fall and think about Shima sweet gourmet treats, gourmet sweets. I mean, I'm telling you, it's it's some of the best stuff that you can have. I, I see you go to a page on Facebook, Shima sweets, gourmet sweets on Facebook, and you get to see some of the stuff that they do. I mean, I'm telling you, you you ever seen the the TV show Ace of Cakes? She does stuff like that. That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of things that she does. And you need to go hook her up. You know, get hooked up by her. Uh, call six zero one nine four zero. Seven eight nine seven, and I'm telling you, I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. You're gonna love every single thing about it. You're gonna enjoy it. That's Shima's Gourmet Sweets. Go and give them a call today. Check them out. I'm telling you, you are going to, you won't be disappointed at all. Disappointed at all. You're gonna love it. So check them out, and uh, you can tell Pastor Lorenzo Neal sent you, refers to you, and you will be glad that you did. All right. Check them out. I'm serious. Check them out. Check them out. How much money do you need to make each month? That's the first question we'll ask when you decide to start your own home business through IncomeAtHome.com. As a success coach, I'm here to guide people like Karen who need to earn serious money from home. We were living payday to payday. And with four teenagers at home, we were worried. 
by the third month, I was banking more than $2,600. After only 18 months, I was consistently earning more than $7,000 a month. Now, it's a six-figure income, and I'm paying cash for college for four kids. We found our way out of rat race. Listen, this isn't selling soap or energy water to your friends. This is a real business bringing potential customers to your computer so you can earn money 24-7. Incomeathome.com is affiliated with a multi-billion dollar company and carries a triple A rating. So how much money do you need to earn each month from home? Visit Incomeathome.com right now for your chance to win $1,000. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. All right. I had to get back. Um, still having a little definite, uh, technical difficulty with the, um, the Skype, and so we're we're going, going back, back and forth to see, see how this works. And uh, seems like it's it seems like it's coming in, but anyway, uh, let's see what we got to do here. All right. I think I think I think I'm good. Testing. Testing. All right. Yeah. That's how live that's how live radio works. <laughs> when you're streaming, you know, you got to rely on the internet and every now and then, you know, gets disrupted. And we do what we can. But anyway, we're back. Thank you for listening, tuning in to Zero Today. Again, I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo. And we are talking today about the Pope and about uh, Yana Van Zant's Fix My Life uh, show premiere regarding two preachers, two uh, black male preachers coming out as homosexual. So first, let's deal with this Pope thing, you know. Uh, Pope Francis. Pope Francis is probably one of the most interesting popes in in recent history, and I say that because, uh, as we've been reporting, he's he's one of the most progressive popes in recent history. There hasn't been a pope as progressive as him uh, in uh, decades, and since the Vatican II meeting in the late sixties. Almost, almost fifty years ago, if not fifty years ago, all of the changes. <laughs> oh my goodness, my little dude is trying to get up on the. Uh, I had a peanut butter snack, and uh, he still smells it. And he's trying to get it, trying to get it, trying to get it, but it's gone. Anyway, um, so 
uh, he's the most he's the definitely the most progressive pope. Y'all gotta excuse me. He, this this little dude is my dog is is tangled all up in my cord and messing with my mic. <laughs> it's like having a kid in the in the classroom. You know, he's trying to get water. He's trying to do all of this stuff. But you know, it is what it is. Anyway, as I was saying, um, he he is the most progressive pope, and we shared some of the things that he's been doing lately. For example, like. Um, now, um, giving priests authority to, uh, absolve the sins of women who have had abortions, um, making it easier for Catholics to have annulments and divorces. Uh, perhaps the most famous thing that he's garnered a lot of attention about is, um, his openness toward the home, the same sex community, the homosexual community. Um, when asked, shortly after becoming pontiff, when asked uh, how does he feel about gays, he said, who was he to judge? And of course, you know, the left went crazy. That's like, this pope may be same-sex affirming. Now, he has not said that. Uh, I, I think he has been pretty clear on his stance regarding that, but But they're they're still saying that he is more likely to be affirming and accepting of gays, and um, you know they just love that. Oh my God! All the noise that he's making with this bottle. I just gave him a bottle uh, water I finished. <laughs> and you hear the noise? I tell you, it's crazy. Anyway, and also um, his outstanding his uh, his uh, remarks regarding. Um, uh, Climate change. He he's very outspoken about climate change. As a matter of fact, in his uh, uh, response to the welcome from President Obama today this morning, as he was being received, officially received at the White House, he included climate change in that address. And uh, I'm sure he's probably going to address it with Congress later on. But it's just interesting that you know this guy is so progressive. Now part of the Part of the reason he is progressive is, is because he is from the Jesuit order of Catholic priests. And the Jesuit order of Catholic priests, they are they're very social minded. They're they're advocates of social justice. They are uh they're largely the ones who planted schools and churches here in the in um around in the Americas primarily. Uh and a lot of the priests are very, very outspoken on social issues. And um and he's from Argentina, which has a Marxist background, you know, socialist background. So he served while he was the cardinal there, you know, he was an agitator and some considered him to be a political rival. And so he has translated some of that into his past even in the short time that he's been pope since uh since uh pope resigned the last pope resigned um in the short time that he's been the pope he has created a plethora of concerns for uh conservative catholics 
um, he has he will be addressing those uh, victims of clergy abuse uh, here in the state, and it's unclear. You know, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth didn't really do much to address it. Pope John Paul, you know, the scandal here in the states came while he was pope, and his health did not allow him to really address it like he probably wanted to, or he just was too, you know, I don't know. But they didn't have that, you know, it, it did not turn out well for him. And it didn't turn out too well for Pope uh, Benedict XVI uh, because he kind of, he didn't directly address it, but he did create commissions and all kinds of stuff. And from from what I've read, those commissions really have not been engaging victims here in the state. So, you know, there's still a lot of people there. And um, the Pope is supposed to be meeting with some of the victims a clergy abuse today or during his visit here in the states and it's really interesting how he will how he'll address that uh and a lot of people are proclaiming him uh they're seeing him as a pastor and and I was watching you know as I'm watching MSNBC and other outlets I was slipping through the outlets this morning as they you know were um uh as they were Streaming uh, the events this morning and and yesterday, and I, I I continued. I heard the recurring word pastor, teacher, and servant. Of course, they they are really, really, really pushing. Um, you know, showing how how concerned he is about the environment because he he carried his own bag. He flew. He didn't fly in the Papal jet. He flew in a commercial airplane. Uh, how humble he is, you know, flew in a commercial airplane, and that um, he he rode in a you know a small car. I think it was a Fiat. I think he had a Ford Escape or Ford something, you know, small Ford car uh, or a Fiat. It was a small car anyway. And that he is that he is displaying the humility and servanthood that. Everyone else should display. And I, I saw this contrasted in a Facebook post yesterday saying that uh, – was it today? Yesterday, today. Anyway, uh, there was a screenshot of the Pope carrying his own bag, and a friend of mine said, now, the Pope carries his own bag and flew commercial. That's the Pope. And yet you have pastors who have their own private plane, and they have uh, armor bearers who do everything for them. <laughs> and he said, put that in perspective. You have the, the person who is the leader of 1.2 uh, over a billion Catholics who carries his own bag and rides in a fiat, <laughs> an economy vehicle. And yet you have these mega pastors or even wannabe mega pastors here in the States who, like Creflo, you know, purchasing million-dollar planes and have servants basically waiting on them hand and foot. This is a, it's a big contrast. You know, he's portraying the idea of servant leadership as, as what you know, and the world is going crazy over it. You know, both Protestant and Catholic, they are just—I mean, this guy, this pontiff, has already become more revered than Pope John Paul II. And, you know, I got the opportunity to, to see Pope John Paul II at the World Youth Day, World Youth Congress 
many years ago. I didn't see him personally, but, you know, I was at the event while it was going on. And, you know, there were hundreds of thousands of young people, Catholic and non-Catholic, there at that event who held him in high esteem. And the same is with this pope. And what's making him different is the fact that he is engaging the people. He, you know, <laughs> they're, they're concerned about security because he's known to break out and embrace people in the crowd. And he did that uh, when he came and this morning as he was being welcomed. You know, he just he was just greeting people, hugging people, not uh, unafraid of being touched. And then you have these preachers here in the states who say, "Touch not my anointed." That means they don't even, they can't even be touched because if you touch them, they might lose their anointing. <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy, but that's how some people are. Some of these preachers are. Anyway, uh, my my thing is, um, I, I'm really, while I have great admiration for where he is, you know, where he is leading the people, the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, my concern is, you know, what impact would his visit really have on the United States of America? Will his visit be inspired, temporarily inspiring? And, of course, I'm going to say yes. It's only going to be, you know, because we, we show up term. We got ADAD, ADHD here in America. You know, we can't keep attention long. Uh, we're going to be... We're going to be enamored by his visit. We're going to be enamored by his kind acts towards people while he's here. And then next week or two weeks from now, he'll be old news. We'll go back to our old ways. That's just the way this country is flowing right now. And with the political environment being the way it is, I doubt very seriously if any of these people are going to try to implement what he's going to be proclaiming, which is love and service, servanthood. I doubt it. I doubt it. You'd be surprised. Uh, I think about 30% of the U.S. Congress persons are Roman Catholic. I may be wrong, but it's a significant number who are Roman Catholic. And, um, you know, being from Louisiana, that's a we're a heavily Catholic state, especially down in South Louisiana. You'll find more Catholic churches than you find anything else. And these are the people who will be directly impacted because any encyclical that he promotes while his visit here, they're going to take heed to it. You know, they're going to take it to heart. and They'll try to implement it. Uh, however, you know, those of us who are Protestant, we're just going to be like, hey, he, he doesn't he's not relevant to us. And to the degree that's true, you know, he's not relevant. But I think we should least and engage what he is trying to trying to say. Now it may be a little more leftist than we care to here in the states, um, but oh, there's a balance to everything. We have to find a balance to it. And his message is one of servanthood, and that's always a good message. Now, whether that translates into other things here in the states for both the Protestant and the Roman Catholic Church has yet to be seen. It really does have yet to be seen. And and but what thing one thing we can be sure of is that my dog is making too much noise. <laughs> Y'all, I tell you. I gotta love my dog. He's just he's wonderful. I tell you he's wonderful. Anyway. But um the reality is that 
uh, this pope is 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 definitely pushing the bar high, raising the bar high. He's really challenging uh, Catholics and uh, even now non-Catholics, non-Roman Catholics, to see Christ and people in a different way. And there are some who are saying that you know his visit correlates with this <laughs> young computer and cut and blood moon and all of this and uh, there was even one person I, I watched on YouTube. There was one person who said that while the Pope was coming off the plane or walking toward the building or something like that, two horns, you know, his hair <laughs> flipped up into two horns, and it said that that revealed that he is really. Uh, the beast. I, I I lied to you not. There was a person on YouTube who actually said that the Pope showed his horns live on television, and I can't, I'm like, my goodness, uh, <laughs> y'all. They didn't have anything better to do. I mean, they saw his hair. Maybe it did fluff up in two horns, but uh, what appeared to be two horns, but. Come on, for real though. For real, for real, for real. For real, for real. It is what it is. Um, I don't think the Pope is evil. I do not believe the Pope is Antichrist. I do not believe Obama is Antichrist. I don't believe Obama is a Muslim. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this is stuff that's going on. And the reality is, well, you know, it is what it is. I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna take a quick break, and we're going to go to our last, uh, our last topic. And the last topic, of course, is the two preachers coming out. There's a lot, a lot, a lot that can go into that. So we're gonna take this break. We'll be back right after this. years ago, I wrote a book called A Breach in the Family, and the book centers around the story of Tamar and Judah, and it's an interesting story about their relationship built on deception and how that deception, even though it was a great transgression, still led to redemption. And I want to tell you, believers, uh, those of you who listen, I know your life may look rough and troubled. But there's still redemption in your story. So I want you to encourage you to go to purchase my copy of my book, A Breach in the Family. You can go to Lorenzo Neal, com and click on the store, and you'll see where you can order the copy of the book. And I'd be glad to send you an autographed copy. But you got to go ahead and do that. Order your copy today, A Breach in the Family. And if you don't want to order it, uh, you can also download the Kindle version. Go to Amazon.com. It's available on Kindle, so you can get that. But I want to make sure that you get you a copy of that book today. It is a tremendous book. It's a short read, so you don't have to worry about a whole lot of pages. But I'm telling you, it's a short but powerful read. That's A Breach in the Family by yours truly, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Go get your copy today. You will be blessed by it. Go to www.lorenzotneal.com and order it today. Friends, there's nothing as soothing as having a sweet aroma penetrate all of your senses. Peacock 
The newest candle fragrance by Heatcentric is that aroma. Peacock is a vegan hand-poured candle that fills the room with a soothing aroma that everyone is guaranteed to enjoy. Peacock by Heatcentric is the fragrance developed by Lady Jocelyn Sanders that's designed to reflect the glory in everyday life. I guarantee you will not disappoint it when you order your candle today from Heatcentric. I have one at home and in my office, and I tell you, it's so good. It helps me relax at home, and it helps me concentrate and stay on task in the office. You need to order yours today by visiting LadySanders.com, and while they also pick up a copy of her book, The Encounter, I'm telling you, you will love both. Peacock by Heatcentric, reflecting the glory in everyday life. What's something that's slow that you wish was fast? Turtle. Really? A turtle? Yeah. What about you? I would rather be a slow turtle. Well, mm. I know why. Because when you're slower, you won't have to get in the street as fast and get ran over. But if you're a slow turtle and you're in the middle of the street, what happens? Austin? Exactly. It's not complicated. Faster is better. And AT&T is the nation's fastest 4G LTE network. This is the Quicksilver Cashback Card from Capital One. It's not the juggle a bunch of rotating categories card. It's not the sign up for rewards each quarter card. It's the no games, no messing around, no earning limit having. Do I look like I'm joking? Turbo boosting heavyweight champion of the world! Cashback Card. This is the Quicksilver Cashback Card from Capital One. Unlimited 1.5% cashback on every purchase everywhere, every damn day. Now tell me, what's in your wallet? This is the Quicksilver Cashback. Hey, what are you doing today? I'm backing up the computer. Photos, work files, you name it. Lovely. See you in a few hours. Hmm. Did you get everything backed up? Took care of it. For just $59.99 a year, Carbonite backs up your irreplaceable files automatically, so you don't have to. Try it for free at Carbonite.com. In football, is it better to be more reliable or less reliable? If they can count on you, you can play. But if you can't, you're on a bench. Bench warm is what my dad says. Oh, does your dad play football? No, but he watches it on the couch. Oh, so he's a couch warmer. I thought it was funny. It's not complicated. More reliable is better. And AT&T is the nation's fastest and now most reliable 4G LTE network. Starting to see some leaves falling around the church. 
from off the trees around the church. And I tell you, I love this season. I love watching the leaves change colors. And uh, I had one chance um, several years ago to drive up on the East Coast. I think uh, I forgotten where, but it was uh, I was driving up the East Coast, and I was blessed. I was riding with someone, and we got to see the wonderful um, changing tree colors. You know, the leaves changing. Uh, it was beautiful. And I uh, don't see that much down here in the south, you know. But I also like the fact that it's pecan season. <laughs> and I'm going to go home to my grandparents and get in that backyard and uh, pick pecans now just for fun and not forced to. Because I was a kid, we had to pick them. You know, we didn't have a choice. <laughs> pick old big five-gallon uh, buckets, you know, we pick them up. And that was our chore after school. I, you know, I do it for free. <laughs> Just to say I got some. But anyway, just need to hear today. Thank you for tuning in to Zero Today. We've been talking a lot of stuff today. We've been talking. Uh, last segment, we talked about the Pope. And um, we talked a little bit about a uh, couple, couple of the issues. But uh, we're going to close out this segment uh, talking about uh, Yana Van Zant and her show, Fix My Life. If you're not familiar with the show, it's on the Oprah Winfrey Network. I think it airs every Saturday. But anyway, uh, the season premiered this past Saturday, and it opened with a big bang to the story of two black uh, male preachers who are coming out for the first time as homosexual men. They're both uh, young pastors, uh, doesn't say what what denomination they pastor in or anything like that, but uh, they've been living with that secret for for a long time. And the first part, uh, you had a young man who was molested as a young kid, and he wrestled with uh, gender identity for a long time. But what caught me was the fact that he got immersed in the work of the church and eventually ordained as a minister and pastoring a church and has been wrestling with his sexual identity for all this time. And, and the purpose of this show was to help him come out to both his family and to his congregation. And then you have the other story, the story of another pastor who was married with a family of five children wife and five children who had been in ministry for some time and um, eventually came out to his wife as a gay man um, but had never revealed to her that while they were in relation well they're still married I don't think they're divorced yet but while they were married or while they were together as a married couple he was secretly sleeping with uh, random men. And so this this show was to help him uh, tell her about that as well as come out to his congregation. And, of course, you know, the first, the first show just kind of teased you. Uh, they're going to – I think it's a three-part three part show. So – on this coming weekend would be the second part, and then the next week would be the culminating part. And of course, the culminating part is 
uh, I'm quite sure they're going to show how everybody just is so forgiving and, and accepting and, uh, you know, all is well that ends well. Now, uh, I, I'm I'm not I won't say I'm troubled by this, uh, because I've, <laughs> I, I guess like many others, uh, we've kind of been dulled to the idea of people coming out of the closet. I have a lot of acquaintances that I know, uh, male preachers who have feminine, effeminate qualities. Now, you know I can't say whether they gay or not. And that's not for me to say, but they're very feminine. <laughs> they have feminine tendencies, um, and some questioning uh, their their masculinity or their sexuality. Matter of factly, more recently, as we just we talked about uh, on the last show with uh, Dr. Carlton, Bishop Carlton Pearson, when his wife Gina filed for divorce, the question automatically. Came because she did so. She just said there were, she just said there were just you know, things just went weren't right, and she didn't go into detail. But the automatic assumption was that Carlton Pearson was gay. You know, he's he's finally coming out of the closet. You know, he's been uh, affirming ever since he <laughs> he was deemed a heretic, and uh, you know, the first place that he was accepted, first church that he was. Uh, accepted to preach in was Bishop uh, Yvette Flander. Uh, I think I said her name, but she uh, Fluker. I think that's it. And you know she's the she's an outspoken uh, lesbian pastor bishop who is more famous for singing, um, being the lead singer on the uh, the breakout song "Thank You Lord" that we sing every Sunday. You know, a lot of churches just sing that. Thank you, Lord, for all you. For me, you know, we love that song. Uh, but she, she and her lover, they're married. She passes the church uh, in California. I can't think of the name of. It. Anyway, uh, but ever since then, you know, he's been affirming. He's affirmed uh, uh, same-sex unions and all of that. Matter of factly, it's also interesting that this is the fifth year anniversary. Uh, five years ago. Uh, Bishop Eddie Long was caught in this scandal, uh, you know, where young men accused him of uh, sexually molesting them, or however you want. I don't I quite re- recall the term that they used, but um, that he was having sex with them, and uh, you know, they and they put forth this big lawsuit, and that was eventually settled a year later, but. Um, you, you remember the story when the story broke these first it was two men and then it eventually grew to four men all in their early 20s and all former members of both New Birth Church and part of the uh new young men ministry um from New Birth that uh Bishop Eddie Long um had founded and was a leader of and all men said the same thing that he seduced them eventually uh, took them on lavish trips around the world where they had sexual relations with him and if you recall the story Bishop Eddie Long addressed his congregation on one Sunday morning he and his wife standing by his side 
And he said, I have five stones in my hand, and I ain't scared of Goliath, and I am willing to throw a stone and kill Goliath, you know. That's what he said. He didn't say it like that. Of course, overdramatic. But it all turned out, basically, (laughs) you know, he ended up settling out of court. Now, when that happened, you had CNN reporter Don Lemon that he used that opportunity to come out of the closet and said that he had been molested as a young boy and he too now was a gay man. And then um, they had Carlton Pearson come on and give insight into the allegations and how it should be handled or uh, things like that. You can go on YouTube and all this stuff and find this. It's all available. And um, anyway, Carlton Pearson was the go-to person during that time, and everyone assumed that he was he was gay. But he he never admitted, and eventually, you know, once the papers were filed by his wife, he he said, "No, I am not gay." You know, those rumors are uh, uh, unmerited and untrue. He's not gay, which is good for him. Good for him. A lot of people question it, and he's put it to rest. He's all man, and and that's it. I said all that to say, you know, here in the black in the black church, this is the last battleground. The black church is the last battleground for the LGBTIQ, whatever, whatever, however many letters they got. Uh, this is the last battleground for them. The only way that they could say that they have truly changed America is through the black church. If they can infiltrate the black church and sway the black church towards their view and perspective on same-sex loving couples, then they have won the greatest victory ever, if they can do that. And so this is my concern. That's, that's, That's how I see this whole thing. I see it as nothing more than another, you know, blow to tear the black church apart. To reinvent the black church. The black church is the last battleground for just about every social issue you can think of. From abortion, same-sex marriage, to anything regarding social issues. Because the black church is the most conservative. Although we may vote progressive and liberal and you align ourselves with the Democratic Party... You know, we allow Democrats to come in and speak to our church. Won't do it for Republicans. <laughs> uh, and we we could be completely against what the social issue is for liberals and progressives. We could be completely against it, preach against it every Sunday in our church, but still we'll vote. And, and you know, this is historically what, the way it is. We will vote for those who affirm such things and then complain when we see it on our back door or our front step. And so this this is, from my perspective, this is just me, this is just another way of forcing the black church to conform by saying, black church, you got black preachers who are gay. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do 
if your pastor comes out of the closet? How are you going to say that you can't stand your, you know, you can't stand a homosexual person when the very person who has been feeding you the word of God week in and week out, himself or herself, homosexual? That forces them, that forces the black church to say, okay, we will concede defeat. If our own people, our own clergy have now done the same, we must in turn do the same. And that's a scary thought for me. It's a very, very scary thing for me to to think that this is a way of forcing the black church to conform. Now, I know there are those of you who are saying there's no such, there should be no such thing as the black church, the white church. We are just one church, but the reality is we've never been one church. Historically, there has never been a united church. It never will be. Uh, never will be. You know, you go back and you read just the story, you know, read the, the story in Acts, you know, chronicles and narratives of early church life in Acts. There was no, there was really no unity. There was sex here, There, you know, different groups here, a few groups here. Even Paul writes in First Corinthians, and, you know, some say you are a Peter, some say you are a Paul, some say of Apollos. And, you know, you know, why is there division? You know, we, you know, we're all one body, supposedly. But I understand, and I'm glad that I ain't baptized none of you. <laughs> but that, you know, we just have to realize that we there's never been a unified body of Christianity since its inception. Uh, there's always been diverse, and as Paul so writes, you know, we are one body with member, mem- many members. And unfortunately... Uh, the members don't always seem to work together, even though we got to, you know, we say Christ is the head. We don't yield to the head because, you know, we don't know how to. You know, we've been taught through denomination, doctrine, and dogma how to conform to a system of belief. And nine times out of ten, you know, those those systems of belief usually conflict with personal belief systems. We we conform to a generalized system of beliefs that sometimes contradict our individual system of belief, and uh, it creates a, 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 a dynamic and a dissonance that we just don't address in the church. And unfortunately, that's what's happening now. Because of that dissonance in the church, in the black church in particular, we have instances like this. Now the question will become, um, as the episodes unfold, as these preachers, uh, as as one young preacher comes out to his family, who he in introduction said, his family is gravely opposed to homosexuals. You know, saying that his own grandmother said that she would disown any of who were homosexual, grandchildren who were homosexual, any relative. So you can imagine the trauma on him being raised in a kind of environment and then putting all of his, you know, this this is the other thing. This kid, this guy, you know, became a church overachiever. He became a church overachiever. He, he did everything in his power to fit in for the good church folk, eventually entering the ministry. And that and, and was having a dialogue about the show, I asked, you know, I I was talking to one of my friends, and I said, well, my question is, 
did he call himself to preach or did God call him to preach? Because from his own words, he said he got, you know, because he was molested, he had he he had to overachieve in the church. And that eventually led to him, you know, being called to preach and pastoring, I believe, at the age of 19 or 20, somewhere in there. And, you know, I know of a lot of preachers who leave the ministry yearly. And a lot of preachers leave the ministry because they called themselves. They had they had this overwhelming sense of something. We had a case in um I'm I'm on the board of examiners for our uh conference in the African in the uh AME church here in the eighth Episcopal district. And we had a young man who had a great spiritual experience. I mean he was so moved by this experience, he didn't know what to do with it. So he stood up and he testified to the church and he said that, you know, he didn't know, but he knew God was calling him to do greater. He just knew that God wanted him to do more. He didn't know what it was, but he just knew God wanted him to do more. And so there was this presiding elder who interpreted that to mean that he was called to preach. And he said, brother, you're called to preach. Now, the brother didn't say that, but now that the presiding elder had put that out there, you know, he had to say, well, I guess I am. And so they set him up to preach his first sermon, and he preached his first sermon, and then he was part, you know, because he got his license and everything, he was sent forth to my um, my group, uh, which examines, you know, we we – we inquired his call and competency and all of that. And that's when he began to display, well, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure if I'm called. I, 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 you know, I, I preached. I feel good when I preach. You know, I mean every word I say, but I'm not really sure. And we were able to, you know, we were able to kind of help him explore other areas where he could serve, putting him, you know, saying, you know, just labeling him a preacher and just drawing him out there. We were able to help him explore what God may have placed on his heart for greater service, you know. Everybody, and, and, and it's, it's a difficult thing because, you know, we got all these people, and I, I know I'm on a little bit of a tangent, but I, I'm still talking about this, this guy, you know, still, still addressing, you know. There are a lot of people who have this sense of service in the church, and especially those who are, are wrestling with uh, sexual identity, you know, and, and sexual issues. Part of that guilt translates into a sense of I got to do something. Transmutes is a better better word. Uh, there's a transmutation that takes place. This when when a person experiences what some may call deliverance, some may call a, a a spiritual experience. There's a transmutation that takes place where there's this great sense of the need to do something now. And oftentimes in the black church. That sense 
is directed toward preaching. And that's why it's so easy for some folk to become a preacher. It was it's easy in any you know in the white you know in in Christianity anybody can start a church. <laughs> Ron L. Hubbard, uh, L. Ron Hubbard started a church. Scientology he calls it a church. It's not Christian at all, but it's a church. Um, but that misdirection oftentimes causes and creates greater conflict within the self. That greater conflict within the self is wrestling with the dissonance of how do I serve people when I know I'm still wrestling with this issue. And you'd be surprised how many people, including myself, you know, the the greater our 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 wrestle with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, the greater the sense of the need to uh, wrestle by service. The more we serve, the greater we, the greater the sense that we are uh, getting, or something to the nature. You know, I'm not saying it by. I'm trying. Uh, for one, it's not clear whether or not he is uh, actually gay. But for the other, it is very clear. You know, he made it very um, – well, not gay. I mean, if he had um, relations, he's a single guy. One was married and one was single. So it wasn't clear if, if um, the one that's single had relations or not. Um but what is clear is the one that was married had relations. And those relations are have been uh, damaging to his familial life. And I lost my train of thought just that quick. I uh, heard my dog barking and I lost my train of thought. Uh, but the, reali- the, the reality is that the the church has not equipped itself to be able to safeguard those who are called to ministry from uh, from the very things that they are wrestling with, and it creates this kind of you know it creates this this environment where they serve they suffer in silence where they don't feel able to tell the truth about themselves. And I, I, I know that's what uh Yana's show is supposed to be about, getting them to tell the truth about themselves and you know, the one dude was just crying like a baby and I, I was like, dude, come on man man up, man up. You know, you crying like a girl. <laughs> I I'm sorry, that's probably offensive. But it did not provide the the church did not provide a means of allowing them the liberty to be able to express what they were wrestling with. And because of that, now they have found a means of doing that that is both going to uh, fiercely challenge both their family and their church with what they really believe about their, their religious experience. 
And that's my concern. That's my concern. You know, we church is supposed to be a haven for those converted sinners to be able to grow in the knowledge and grace of Christ, to walk in as crucified persons. The scripture says you're crucified with Christ, yet you live. To walk as those whose members also have been mortified. You know, mortified therefore your members, so you know, become slaves to sin. Paul writes in Romans chapter six. But unfortunately the church had the black church in particular has never been fully equipped to do so. We've been equipped to say everything evil, you know. You know, we've been equipped to tell folk, call out folk in their sins. Yet yeah, we've not been equipped to receive them, you know, and help them grow. And so now you have these churches that are affirming, you know, and say, we'll accept you just as you are. We're going to love you unconditionally. We're going to show you, you know, God loves you. And he loves you just the way you are. He doesn't judge. And you know, that's a whole different story. Because God does. And he will. But it's not our place to do that. But the black church grossly invade, embraced that idea, that Victorian church idea. You know, uh, the idea of um, holiness to the extreme. You know, and while it has been beneficial in some ways, it's preserved an identity, a black church identity that has lasted for generations. It has also caused a great rift, both among clergy and laity, because eventually you have clergy who wrestle with primarily sexual sins, you know, and other temptations, but. We're dealing with sexual sins, primarily with sexual sins, and then the Passover, adulterer, you know, stuff like that. Um, and the layperson who they themselves may be struggling with the same issue, but they can get away with it. They don't have, you know, because they can stop coming to church. <laughs> they can they can become an agnostic or an atheist. You know, pastor can't do that though. And the question then becomes. Do we embrace this radicalism that is trying to come into the church, black church, or do we say, look, there has to be there has to be another way of getting you to express that without bringing shame to yourself, to your church, and undermining the purpose of the black church? I'm sure it's going to get to the point where we do that. Um, but until we do that, we, we, we're going to see more and more persons like this, like these two young men who, you know, this avenue of bringing themselves to the forefront, their, their, their struggles, and with the hopes of rallying others who are like, in like states and forcing radical change. You know, and I'm an advocate of change. I'm an advocate of love. I'm an advocate. I'm an advocate of empowering people to be who they are, be true than themselves, but not at the expense of the Church of Christ. You know, not at the expense of notoriety for someone else, of ratings for a television show. 
uh, I don't think I I already know that people are going to just you know it's going to be very divisive. Some people are going to be very supporting, and then there are others going to just be saying shame on you, shame on you, whatever it may be. But the the reality for both of us is uh, that we must still show the love of Christ. How do we go about doing that? That's 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 the $64,000 question because, you know, you don't want, like I said earlier, if the black church is forced to conform, then that will create a greater schism than there already is. You know, that, that there already exists that in the black church. Uh, but it will create a, a greater schism because then you have those who are ultra-conservatives become even more conservative and you have those who are a bit more progressive eventually become full full on liberal. All for the sake of not wanting to be unchrist like. There's a place. But it, I guess we have to watch the show to really see how this plays out. But beloved, the reality is um as a black church pastor we must be ready to engage, and I've shared this before, and I'll share it, you know, in African Methodist Episcopal Church. Uh, we, we're going to be facing this next year at our general conference. I already know. The United Methodist Church is facing it, um, and because we're full communion, uh, whatever they do in that general conference probably reverberate to our Zion and uh, other Methodist bodies. You know, and um, we just have to be ready to handle it and, and and find a way, find a way to serve, to glorify God. Um, I don't know how it would be done. I, I wish I could be a, have a prophetic eye and, and see how it works out without condemning those who will be coming out and without condemning those who will be um, propagating and promoting um Pushing for affirming such, you know, it's 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 a it's it's a thin line. It's a very very thin line, but it's, it's something, something we have to address, and we need to address it now. Because if we don't, you know, we try to sweep it under the rug, it's gonna come back and bite us like crazy. Literally, I mean, it already has with with the Supreme Court ruling. You know, although a lot of churches. Had safeguards. There was some some that did, and when you have, especially in the black church, you know, were still very conservative regarding same-sex um, identity. You know, same-sex same-sex loving couples. Uh, it's going to be crazy, and we can choose to say, well, we'll jump on the bagging wagon and be like everybody else because we don't want to be left out and we want to show that we are uh, relevant as a black, you know, black body of Christ. You know, we are just like these other party groups. Or we can say, look, we're going to stand on the Word of God. If this is what the Word of God says, I might not like it, but we're going to stand. And that's, that's what we're going to have to deal with. Question is, are you ready? The question is, am I ready? <laughs> are we all ready? Listen, I've run out of time. This show has been been crazy, so on and off with this 
Skype thing, and, and it's just been, but it is, it is, we made it, and hopefully we'll have another opportunity to come back on the air, but we want to invite you to tune in Wednesdays at 11 o'clock, and go to our, go to the Facebook page, Zero Network, and like the page, subscribe to the show on Box Talk Radio, uh, com slash Zero Today. You go there, like the page, you can find archive shows all the way back to 2010. Uh, like us, um, follow us on Twitter, Zero Radio. We're on there on Twitter. Um, and, of course, go to my website, www.lorenzotv.com. Or a copy of my book, Reaching the Family. And um, you'll be blessed by that book. Tune in, follow us, let us know what you want to think. Uh, what you want to hear about, let's talk about. We enjoy the communication. But anyway, just want to be a blessing to you, like you're a blessing to us, and thank you for all the support that we get. And everything you do goes a long way in making this show a great success. But but we got to get out of here. We appreciate you tuning in. And again, if you missed this live broadcast, you can catch this broadcast and any other broadcast on Zero Today. And also, it's available to download iTunes, you know, the podcast, iTunes, and, and there are the day Facebook and everything else. So, till then, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Appreciate you listening in. We got to get out of here. You guys have a great Wednesday, hump day, first day of fall, and everything else. The Lord be with you. God bless you.